Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Kids are not all right. In fact, uh, I think those in charge have been so blind by all things COVID that they have lost sight of the fact that no, kids don't do well when they're isolated. They don't do well when they're locked away from life. And there's this new campaign which has been launched across this country, and it's because of pediatric hospitals coming together to sound the alarm of what they're seeing in their hospitals, and that is this shocking rise in children with mental health issues. So when you look at the numbers, they're saying 70% of kids aged 6 to 18 have reported a mental health issue. We're talking things like substance abuse. They've seen a 100% increase in suicide attempt admissions, 200% jump in substance abuse admissions, Children as young as nine with eating disorders and a big increase in child abuse cases, including this very sharp a spike in cases involving babies with head trauma and fractures. And so, yes, uh, when you isolate kids and people from the world, bad things happen. So this campaign is actually designed to pressure governments to get things like camps, rec centers, schools, facilities where kids can be kids, get them open as soon as possible so they can somehow get control of this quote-unquote collateral damage. Dr. Jane Liddell. Liddell has been on our show before. She's a lecturer for the Department of Pediatrics at Ottawa University and community pediatrician as well. And she joins us now. Good to have you, doctor. Alex, thanks for having me back. And thank you for making this an issue. It is, uh, it is a crisis. It is a crisis. And I don't think it had to be one. I know that we're in complicated times, but it's one of those things where I said off the top of the show, I feel like when we use this term collateral damage, we have dumbed it down and neutralized it to the point where people don't really see it as um, people with heart attacks or people with strokes or people with undiagnosed illnesses. And and now when we see children um, coming in with mental health issues that won't go away after the pandemic, I mean, this is more than collateral damage. This is a real ethical, um, you know, thing that we never should have allowed to happen. Well, I think it, I mean, as you say, it, I think it started um, at the very beginning of COVID where we all sort of took a big sigh of relief and COVID was presented as not going to be something that was going to affect children. And you know what? I, I was guilty of this myself in some ways. We all took a big sigh and said, oh, it won't be the kids we're seeing that are going to be sick. And, you know, it just so quickly, and I mean, within a matter of months or weeks, it became very evident to those of us who work with children that, uh, no, they weren't going to be okay. It's taken a year and a half, a year and a half of this for maybe people to actually start hearing it. Um, And that's a sad statement, you know, because it's not that we've been quiet about it, but... Um, you know, we've been seeing this in our offices. You can quote the numbers that the hospitals are seeing, and that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, what I see in my office on an absolute daily basis right now, you know, today in my own office, I diagnosed one new uh, eating disorder, followed up on two, diagnosed a new major depression, and these are all in young teenage children. 
you know, this is what I'm doing every day, day in, day out. And I'm just one person, one pediatrician. My colleagues are all seeing the same. And it's sad. It's a crisis. And I cheerleaded when I heard um, the movement. I mean, I think we need to bring it down to the most basic of statements. So the code pink is very visual. It's very simple, but it's very, very strong. And if that's what it takes, I am standing up and shouting it um, that we need to do something and we need to stand behind it. Yeah, I mean, Sick Kids Hospital has certainly been sounding the alarms uh, for for a long time now, at least a year. You know, kind of raising mm-hmm. attention to the fact that we can't keep kids locked down. They've got to get to the playgrounds. They've got they're not getting this. And and, and I know you've been very vocal about it, and other pediatricians to their defense have said, look, this might not be the approach. What alarms me most about this is that yes, while kids can get COVID, uh, most don't. But these disorders, you know, you diagnose a child with an eating disorder, that doesn't go away. That's with that child for life. And when you diagnose a child, um, you know, with with a substance abuse issue, something like these aren't things that will just end once the pandemic's over. These are crises that have to be managed. They can get help. They can recover to a degree, but they do need to be managed. Absolutely. And it's not just that they'll be with them for life. You talk about something like an eating disorder. One in five will die because of that eating disorder and many by suicide. I mean, this is what people need to understand. These are not problems that as when COVID goes away, these mental health issues are going to go away. And we know even before this, in previous um, world challenges, we have learned that crises like this, we may not see the full impact for nine to right. 10 years. And uh, from my point of view, I think it'll go beyond that. It's going to change the trajectory of many kids' academic um, mm-hmm. life success. They're already seeing mm-hmm. in the States a significant decrease in college and university applications. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. This is huge. And, you know, So I'm talking the big picture, but then what we have to say is, okay, so what can we do? We start simple. We need to get kids back into normal. We need to get them outdoors. We need to get them to their parks. We need to get them back to school. There's just absolutely nothing else that's going to make um, as big a difference. These kids are hopeless. They are absolutely unmotivated. I had one new man today when I actually asked him, you know, are you sad? Are you happy? He goes, I'm nothing. I don't feel anything right now. And this is what I'm getting from every child I am seeing. I don't even ask them anymore. Are you sad? Are you stressed? It's now, how sad are you? How stressed are you? I mean, it's now, you know, we can talk numbers We can say 50%, 60%. I'm going to argue it's 100%. Every child I see today is impacted by COVID. And, you know, we. And these are only the cases that you're actually. Yeah, and there are many cases that don't go reported. I mean, certainly if you're a marginalized child or a child living in some kind of poverty where you're missing breakfast clubs and their parents maybe work shift work or they're maybe with only one parent, chances are these children aren't being seen at all. 
um, which is extremely worrisome. And, and, you know, I feel for the parents because um, it's devastating, you know, uh, to not be able to help your child. And I do get a lot of people saying, come on, toughen up. You know, kids went through these things before with the war and that. Well, they might have, but um, that generation also had its share of issues. And I don't think we really want to duplicate that if we don't have to. And so when people say, what's the point of opening schools for a few weeks in June? I say, it's everything. It's huge. I mean, these kids just need some hope. If they don't, you know, if they could have a couple weeks of actually returning to normal, it also, it, it gives them hope and promise that September will be normal. I've got so many kids who are already in panic mode about the fact that they don't see things changing in September. You know, they're already they are already resolute to the fact that nothing's changing. It's going to be the same. That's where they are at in their heads. And as a result, they they are just going deeper and deeper in these depressions. And, Mm. you know, we need to show them that we it is getting better and we will make it better. And we have to show them that we they are our priority and um, we have to take these steps. We have. We also have to park the politics, though. Like you know, the unions are going to have to park, um, you know, a lot of what they want. I mean, we know teachers are burned out. Of course, everybody's burned out. But we have to do what's right for the kids. And one of the things I have been talking about, and I will be talking about the education side of this in the nine o'clock hour, is that for a lot of these kids, I think they have to repeat the year, not for any other reason than just to give them the stability and allow them to enjoy things like the sports teams and the yearbook club or the prom or grad or whatever it is, or somehow restabilize themselves. Those conversations aren't being had. We're just right now worried about, well, you know, can we get them in a model, a hybrid model, this, that, but you know, they've lost so much with this year that I think rebuilding normal um, has got to start now. Do you get the sense doctor that the politicians are hearing this? I hope so, but I'm not sure. I I really am not sure. I mean, I know these are unprecedented times. They need to, you know, there's no no model of how we we get through this. But I do think they were reassured by those early statements that kids were okay, And it kept coming back. It kept coming back. And I think it was easier to focus on that. Nobody wants to hear that a child may kill themselves. Nobody wants to hear that what we do today is going to change the trajectory of a child for life. It's easier just to focus on that early statement. They'll be fine. They're resilient. They're tough. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, that's not the case. They are not. Um, And you know what? This plays out in our healthiest and most resilient of kids previously, um, I am seeing all of these issues in those kids who what I who I would have previously said, you're a strong kid, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's hitting across the board. And then, as you said, the most vulnerable, it's just devastating. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've always loved the phrase, it takes a village to, to grow a child. Um, they have lost every person in that village they are standing on an island by themselves they don't have you know the parents are burnt out they have lost their extended family supports they have lost their teachers their coaches and they've lost their peers i mean i i ask when did you last see your friend i last saw my friend a year and a half ago 
Well, I text with them. Oh, yeah, I text with them all the time. But that's not the same. I mean, it is so not the same. You know, it's it's taught us that electronics and the Internet do not replace the value of being in the moment, in the place, with human contact. And, you know, that is something we have got to hold on to moving forward. Not to mention those electronics can take them into a very dark world where predators lurk uh, and all ready to take vulnerabilities and uh, exploit them. Look, doctor, I know you talk about this um, and are fighting the fight, and I certainly will continue talking about it because as a mom, I see this in my own house and... uh, and I wish it on no parent, and certainly I know a lot of other parents are struggling. So um, I thank you for coming on, and we'll keep the pressure up and hope it turns um, turns into some action here. Well, Alex, thank you, and the ongoing message you're giving to your listeners, um, I so, so appreciate it. And, you know, myself, my colleagues, the members of the Ottawa Community Pediatricians Network, we will not be quiet. We will keep saying the kids need help. And it's not just today. It's not just tomorrow. Yeah. This is going to take years. And we do need the politicians to listen. They need, And not just with voices. We need them to listen with money, with funds, and yeah. with programs. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks. Dr. Little, Thank I appreciate so much. it so much. That is Dr. Thank Jane you. Little. And uh, the ha- the campaign is called... Hashtag code pink. And, um, you know, look, mental health issues were, were a gigantic problem before this pandemic. It is going to be enormous after. And so I will continue talking about it because I do think it's that big of an issue. And certainly I'm lucky. I, uh, you know, a lot of parents aren't as lucky. And so we got to support them.